This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham, the power hour continues oh. and there are fish in the water that will not care for you. Just tell me. That's why I stay away. <laughs> Keep telling you, when the big toe hits the water, you are the visiting team. Let that marinate a second. All right. Oh, oh my guy. God. And that guy right there. Yeah. That's why you stay on the patio. Welcome to Florida. Luckily, Radakovich didn't run into one of those cats. Well, on the I'm walk, telling huh? you. Well, he saw that lady with the Labrador. Yeah, could have been that. Yeah, I gotta be careful. But man, right. what a beautiful place. It's been a great week down here at Amelia Island. ACC spring meetings continue. The Power Hour is on, and look who we've got. In yeah, the look big who chair. we found at Amelia Island. <laughs> How about huh? that? Old friend David Teal. How many appearances is this? For uh, Teal? David Teal's 27th appearance on the 27? show. 27. 27. <laughs> That's gotta got be the most among media types. Uh, probably. Well. It Depends how you define media. Okay, got it, got it, got it. That's 17 more than the commissioner. Let that marinate a second. But he's only been around for 16 months. Well, I'm not saying he can't catch you. Yeah, see. Yeah. Is this your first spring meeting? It is. And your impressions of spring meetings? It's a gold mine. It is a gold mine. <laughs> no, it's Jerry, it, there's gold. <laughs> there is gold. It's called orange blossom Himalayan salt. Or was it a heaven in a hammock massage? Yeah. I saw that on the menu. Yeah. Our, our leader over here, Jen, had that done yesterday. Yeah, the heaven in a hammock massage. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. So the thumbs up. All right. It's not the ACC tournament hostility room it is that not. we've been come to know and love for years. Yeah. It's clearly not the ACC kickoff or the ACC tip-off. No. So if you're telling people about ACC spring meetings, Yes, it's a gold mine, but it's a different kind of gold mine. Yeah, it's, it, it's just a chance to network with people and to see them you know, away from the day job and also to talk about the issues of the day, of which this year there are myriad. All right, with that said, what did you gather from this week so far? What jumps out? First thing that hits you, if you had to write the headline for the end of the spring meetings, it would be what? I think the impending change to the ACC football conference scheduling model. Uh, there's been momentum building. I've been sensing it for several months now, and I think it crested here, and I think they're really close to a final decision on it, and uh, the Atlantic and Coastal Divisions will be no more. David, do you think they are preparing for the expansion of the college football playoff with this, or are they, uh, there are other reasons, obviously. I think the, the frequency of opponents has yes. become something the league has got to address. Oh, it, it, abso it absolutely does. You're talking about with 17 divisions, you play almost half of your conference rivals, six of 13, and, you know, in the other division, only once every six years, only once every 12 years in your stadium. Yeah. And for the sake of fans and the athletes, they want more frequency in that. And if they go to this so-called 3-5-5 model with three permanent opponents and the other 10 rotating every other year on and off the schedule, five on, five off, you are guaranteed to play everyone in your conference at least every other season. And that, that to me is a win-win, and I think it's a win-win for ESPN and the ACC network because you get more matchups such as Virginia Tech Clemson, yeah. such as UVA Wake Forest, 
just th those are games that I think appeal to fans that they don't see often enough. Wake Forest Carolina went so far as to schedule a non-conference yep. home and home because they don't play one another frequently enough. Yeah, there, there's a lot of examples. I brought up the Virginia Tech has not seen Florida State come to Lane Stadium in 10 well, years yeah. and counting. And 2012. That, that, that can't happen. You, well, you get two great brands like that. And even the fan bases, television partners, us sitting on the couch, West sure. doing games. We all want to see those kind of games. And that, if you're missing that, that's a whiff by everybody. And Dave Clawson's never coached against Miami. Yeah. Now, granted, they were supposed to the play in 20, year, right. and they, they lost that game to COVID. But, yeah, he's, he's going on his 10th season, and he's yet to coach against the Hurricanes. I'm sure he'd love to this season in, in, in Charlotte. But you make a great point about CFP expansion. Brent Pry, Virginia Tech's new coach, said to me the other day, he said, I'll tell you what model I'm in favor of for scheduling. Whatever's going to help us get multiple teams in an expanded college football playoff. And I think this system better assures that you have your two best teams at the end of the season playing in Charlotte, which, to prize point, would enhance the league's chances to get multiple teams. Well, that teams goes back in. to when Notre Dame was in the league for 20, right? Yep. And we had arguably the best ACC football championship from a national perspective. It wasn't arguably, it was. It was. Yeah. It was the first the top five matchup. Exactly, and nobody else had that. Right. And uh, Clemson gets the rematch, and they end up winning the game. Of course, Trevor Lawrence being back probably made a bit of a difference. But nevertheless, the hype and buildup, even during a year like that, right. hey, the ACC had the premier championship game. And, Period. oh, by the way, both teams made the CFP. That's exactly right. Yeah, and in the 14 field. So. Yes. All right, now let's get to the business side of this. Sure. You and I have talked uh, a little bit offline about that revenue gap. Mm -hmm. Any indication of how they're going to try and close that in these meetings from your perspective? Well, Commissioner Phillips yesterday in his session with us mentioned three things. One, the, the, the network deal with, with Comcast. Right. Get it, and, th and that's going to be a boon to the ACC's finances. Two, he intends to create a position in the conference office in charge of revenue, chief, chief revenue officer. Wow. And that person is going to be, you know, they're going to spend their 50, 60 hours a week on the job trying to create new revenue for the league. He mentioned new sponsorship opportunities with the network. But he also conceded that given the SEC and Big Ten's impending new TV deals and those conferences' inherent demographic advantages, that the ACC is probably never going to be their financial equal. But, you know, the guys with the most money don't always win all the games. Well, and, and if they did, Texas and Ohio State would win the championship every year. Well, I was going to say, I mean, the Big Ten's making more money than anybody. No disrespect to Greg Sankey and the SEC, but those two have done a brilliant job in terms of generating dollars. Big Ten's not won in the Final Four since Michigan State in 2000. Mm -hmm. You start thinking about the college football playoff expansion, hey, congrats, slow clap to Ohio State, you won the first one, you haven't won anything since. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, just because you're generating a ton of money does not necessarily equate to your hardware. Absolutely. 100% right. Um, second part of this is this thing hanging out over this. He was asked about conference location yesterday, wasn't he? He was, and said the decision would be made before the end of spring. That's three to four weeks. Wow. Now, he, he, he did not confirm the options, but we all know it's either Charlotte or Orlando if they're going to move from, from Greensboro. But we'll know within, within three to four weeks. And what I thought was interesting 
and you know, you talk about the move. He said that he is open to the idea of taking the ACC men's basketball tournament to markets it has never been in before, quote, to keep it fresh, unquote. And I found that interesting. What might those markets be? Maybe Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh maybe Boston, 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 maybe another market in Florida, Miami or in Orlando. Uh, but Pittsburgh and Boston were the first two markets that, that came to mind, you know, basketball towns that I think would really embrace the event. I, look, you and I, and Pax heard me say this before, we all agreed when it went to Tampa in 07, the game changed, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it yeah. went to Tampa in a market that had no direct connection, mm -hmm. and the tournament was staged there, and since then, look at what's happened. Brooklyn yeah. primarily three times. Yep. Um, but I, I, I'm not surprised to hear that. I, in some ways, we know what the house markets are for that event, though, right? We talked about it the week we were there. Well, I, I just think if you're a smart business person, you always keep options open. Sure. And if, if you took the stance that, hey, it's only going to be in Greensboro and Charlotte and Washington, D.C., and that's it. Right. Well, I mean, why would you do that? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you could still have Greensboro, Charlotte, and Washington, D.C., but if you throw a little chum in the water, guess what? Maybe Boston writes you a crazy check. Maybe Pittsburgh says, hey, this would be a cool thing to do. Maybe somebody down in Florida says, hey, come on down here. Let, and maybe so, that ups the ante for your uh, current you know, folks. Again, in I think rotation. if you're a smart business person, you, you sit there and you keep every option open. You say, hey, there's always an opportunity. You know, somebody writes a, you know, write a bigger check, you win. That's how it works. But yeah. you know you can always go to Greensboro, Charlotte, if you went through Washington, D.C., or Atlanta, whatever yeah. the combination may be. So to me... That was a smart business approach. Yeah, and I, and, of, and of course, you know, the other issue that hovered over this in, in, entire four days here, it, NIL oh, yeah, yeah. and athlete empowerment, compensation, freedom of movement and such, and everyone's still trying to get their arms around that. David, do you think, and I, just, I asked the commission this last hour, and the NCAA came out with all their literature and mm -hmm. legalese and all that, and it sounds great. Yeah. But can you walk it, right? I mean, can yeah. you actually, I mean, we've not seen the NCAA enforce really anything when it yeah. comes to rules. They haven't penalized anybody since Name, Image, and Likeness debuted back on July 1st. Nobody, not a single school. So could they actually go retro and say, hey, you know what? We are going to clean this up and we're going to take a roast beef A&M for argument's sake and we're going to bury them because they paid off. Whatever the example, do you yeah. think they can actually do that? I do not, and I had an interesting conversation with Jeff Capel, the Pitt basketball coach yesterday, and his remark was, I think they are looking for someone or something to make an example of, and I don't want it to be me. He said, and I, that's why I, you know, quoting him, that's why I'm treading so lightly on this, he, because he thinks they are looking for low-hanging fruit, and Mike Bray had, had some similar remarks. They want to try to, to do something quickly in this space. Whether they can, I think, is another question. So they're looking for the most egregious of the yes. NILs, and but they got to find the paperwork. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, whether it's social media or whatever it is, they got to yeah. find somebody that blatantly broke the rule of using it on the front end of the recruiting, right? Yeah. I also think, though, that Gene Smith, who, like I said earlier this week, I have a lot of respect for Gene Smith, Ohio State. You know, he said, hey, we need to now take this risk. This is something we have to do to kind of set the tone that we really mean business and understand that from a legal standpoint, antitrust problems and lawsuits are right. absolutely. As soon as somebody says from the NCAA, hey, school X, 
bang, here we come. Count on. Yep. The fact, you already heard agents and other people going, hey, bring it on, man. They, they can't do this stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. We, again, I think we're at a tipping point with all of this, don't you? It just oh, feels that way. Absolutely. And it's interesting, Pac, that you mentioned Gene Smith because he recently floated to Heather Dinich of ESPN the notion of taking the football bowl subdivision governance yeah. off the NCAA's plate and moving it to the college football playoff. Yeah. And yesterday with us, Jim Phillips came about as close as he could to endorsing that idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, between NIL and restructuring of NCAA and, and even the possibility of collectively bargaining with athletes, yesterday was as progressive and as uh, forward-thinking as I've heard Jim in his 16 months as commissioner. Which should tell you how dire the situation is. Yeah, that, hey, I the real movers it. and shakers understand it is now time to act. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, David, uh, before we say goodbye here, real quick, you only got a minute. Uh, I have 30 seconds. It's May 12th. Yes, sir. Who wins the Coastal? Who wins the Atlantic? Jordan Addison notwithstanding. Okay. I like the Panthers. Wow. And I like the Tigers and that that salty defense to return to the top. You'll be allowed to come back once a month until (laughs) kickoff. And change. And change your mind. How about in five minutes you change your mind? Yeah, we'll change your mind in five minutes. (laughs) Thank you as always. Good to see you. My pleasure, guys. Safe travels. Uh, When we come back, uh, we continue from Amelia Allen with the leader of the pack. Dave Doran is next on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham, we're back in the patio. Leader of the pack, that'd be Dave Dorn, head football coach of your NC State Wolfpack. You're pretty nice, right? It is. It's beautiful. The palm trees, the birds. Just got to hang out with you. Yeah. That didn't sound right. How about we get a fishing pole instead and go find something? Because that didn't, that didn't really sound very good, Dave. We've got to be honest with you. So how are we doing? We're good? We're comfortable? I mean, your football team should be really good. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to be done with these meetings. Yeah, there's two long days, lots of time in a meeting room. I think Dave said it was like 17 hours of meetings. Mm. So, yeah. It's good to be outside, good to be done, excited to get back to the team. Davo told us yesterday on the show, he feels like the alignment of the coaches, the athletic directors, just the conference as a whole, especially in football, is as good as it's ever been. Would you agree? I would, yeah. It's, it's a good group. Uh, Dave Clawson's done a nice job kind of keeping us informed on everything and the ADs. Um, we kind of used to feel in the past that it was us and them, you know, kind of. And now we're really working well together in that room. The FARs today, it was a great meeting. And, and obviously, I think Commissioner Phillips deserves a lot of credit for that, creating that environment where we can get together more. Uh, I'm going to switch gears. We've got a lot to cover here with you. Um, I got a signed pancake deal from you, right? Yeah. Uh, we, got the, we got the syrup. Icky gets picked by the Panthers. He's yeah. going to be working three miles down the street. How many pancakes do I need to have ready for him when he comes by the basement? <laughs> it makes his first appearance live in the basement. Is it going to be like a stack of 20? I mean, you tell me. That's a big old boy in that offensive line. Yeah, I think Baker's Dozen would be a good place Baker to start. Baker Dozen? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're going with? Yeah. How great is that, though, for your program? It's great for Icky, right? I mean, yeah. he goes back home. He's going to make a ton of money playing the sport he loves. But he's such a gregarious, cool dude to talk to, to coach. 
How important was that, though, for your program moving forward? Well, it's really important. You know, I think it's the third three-star or less player we've recruited and developed that's been a first-round pick. Mm. Um, Bradley Chubb, Garrett Bradbury, and now Icky. Uh, but it was magical being there with his family and then seeing full circle getting to go home with that draft pick um, from Carolina. So, you know, I think it's just our blueprint is very proven. It just continues to add to it and creates a scenario as a parent or a recruit where you can say, here's what Coach Dorn and his staff does. It works. He's done it this many times. And mm. and these young men keep coming back, too. I mean, if you guys were at our spring practices, you'd see every time oh, you yeah. walk out there, there's an NFL player. Naheem Hines, you know, shows up all the time. B.J. Hill, Bradley Chubb. Uh, Jermaine Pratt, you name it, the list goes on. Guys just come around because of the way they were treated and the culture we have. If I were to ask you if there are key moments in the building process, and I know you're always looking forward, you don't spend a lot of time looking back, but yet this has been the patience and the build here. What about last year do you think is the big carryover to this year for this football team? You know, I just think there's a huge chip on our shoulder. Uh, because we didn't get to the Charlotte game last year. We were, you know, one possession away, an onside kick recovery against Wake that we thought we got. Maybe <laughs> if there was one other camera angle, we would have got it. Or maybe right. if they would have called that we got it, it wouldn't have been – there wasn't enough to overturn it. One play in the Miami game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew how close we were. And then, you know, to go to a bowl and not be able to play, there's just a lot of unfinished business, I think, with this football team. You're on record that you've got the best quarterback yeah. in the country. Make the case. Well, if you know football, you know that that position's about making plays. It's also about not making bad plays. And his touchdown to interception rate, what he does in the red zone. Um, but to me, it's how he plays in two-minute drill. Every time he gets the ball in a two-minute, he takes the, the ball down the field and gets us an opportunity to score. And at the end of the games, the way he plays, he's just got such poise and he's tough. Yeah. He's really tough. He's not afraid to take a hit. He'll get up. The way he fights for his, his teammates and coaches, he's a different guy. And some teams haven't been able to see him, so they don't understand. But I've been around the game a long time. When you have a poised quarterback with arm talent that's tough, it's special. You've got to feel pretty good, not only about him, but you mentioned 20 guys coming back and all the players you've got especially the skill guys. I mean, everybody sees, you know, the guys that left, but at the same time, you play a lot of guys. Yeah. I mean, you and Tim offensively especially have really developed considerable depth there all over the place. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, we, we have different guys that can do different things, and mm-hmm. you want to take advantage of their skill sets. And I've always said good coaches, you, you don't just have a system. You have a system that fits the talent that you have, and your system can evolve with the talent. Or with the lack of talent, sometimes you have an injury and you got to find a different way to play. Okay. And so we try to do that on our roster, you know, and we do have experience, depth, and talent on defense because we had seven starters out at one time last year. So seven new guys were starters, <laughs> and they're all back, you know. The key for us is getting them all healthy where we have them all at the same time, and that's kind of the hope that we have right now. Uh, we talked to Dabo Sweeney. We talked to Dave Clawson. This division... Dave, I said a long time ago, coming up for the 22 season, and I'll use the example, the SEC West, I think is out of sight. Great teams, great atmospheres, great players. The Big Ten East, ditto. The ACC's Atlantic Division, in my opinion, 
is flying underneath the radar. I think it's going to be as good as anybody you want. We're going to have three teams in the top 10, top 15 with you guys, Wake Forest, Clemson, the next tier down, if you will, with BC, Florida State, Louisville, great talented quarterbacks. They know what they're doing. And Dino's got the best running back in the country. Um, the Atlantic Division is going to be no joke in 22. Yeah. Well, we have every team in the Atlantic has their quarterback back as mm -hmm. a starter. So that's unique in its own right. And I think when you have your quarterback back, you can develop your team differently than when you don't. Um, you're not going to practice every day trying to revolve practice around the quarterback competition. If you know who that guy is, it's about finding his backup and developing everyone around him. Mm -hmm. And so you have seven teams that are doing that right now. And I think all seven of us are going to be better for that, which makes the parity and the competitiveness of those games a lot different. Hmm. The, uh, so, so then when you get to August, What's your punch list with all this talent back and all these guys with experience? Yeah. What's the punch list for Dave Dorn now? Well, we got to get the best of those guys. First of all, everyone healthy, and then you get, all right, who's the first 11 out there? How do we rotate those guys? Yeah. Uh, you know, and who's going to get how many snaps? And, and who are the guys we don't know about that we need to see more of, you know, that can help us? Because we lost Bam Knight as a kickoff returner. Who's going to be that guy? We still have some unanswered questions, you know, and, and our punter um, was drafted. And yeah. so getting the reps for our new punter and making sure we know what are his strengths and how can we help him, you know, are we going to have to go for it more on fourth down or do we use our punter like we did last year to pin the other team down there? So mm. there's a lot of unanswered questions still. But the continuity you've got with your staff has yeah. got to be, that's, by the way, also something that I don't think has been talked about as much either. Yeah. That continuity has been critical for you. I think, you know, when you have the fewest players go in the portal and then you have the only team that had all of his coaches return, it speaks to the culture and the environment, not just as a player, but as a staff member that we've created. And I'm really proud of that. You know, how, I am. How are you going to stay grounded? Because you know yeah. the hype's coming. Oh, I mean, great and, I mean, well, and, and you know what? That's not a bad thing. No. So, so how do you, hey, it's, guys, it's coming. So how do you stay grounded? So our first team meeting in January, uh, that's what I said to the team. You know, I said, what could keep us from being who we all know we could be? And the guys just start throwing their hands up. And so the players have identified it, just like you're talking about it. And I think it has to start with them. Complacency is, you know, a killer of a football team and, uh, or of any team. You know, and the attaboys and all the things that come along with success. So our players have to drive that. And they are, and so that makes me feel good. You know, that they understand that people that talk well about you are the same people that disregarded you. You know, and, and we have to understand we're going to win the conference on the field, not on any press clipping. I, um, I, I mean, all except one top twenty-five's got you listed. I mean, you know, yeah. I can't believe the one that doesn't. It's, it's I, I was 20. happy they did that. It's great. <laughs> That, that didn't go in the locker room, did it? I sent it to the leadership council immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just the way it is. Somebody's opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of where this is. That's the fun part, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. part of the deal. It is. I mean, it's good to have the notoriety. The kids and the coaches have earned that at the same time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't win games, you know. The uh, day-to-day, the work and the chemistry of the team, the coaching, the health. Those are the things that matter the most. And you got a great home field advantage. Yeah. Your place has now become, I mean, it's up for grabs when teams come in there. Yeah, so we were undefeated for the first time at home in 35 years. And, and uh, obviously our fans came out of COVID like 
got to see football, and they took advantage of it, and we played well for them, and uh, we're working hard on keeping them there the whole time. I think our student section deserves a lot of credit, too, because I think they're the heartbeat of the stadium, and they were insane last year. They were awesome. So hopefully we can build off of that and, and bring it back and make it even better. How far are we throwing the shirt? I mean, <laughs> I what's, what's come up. on? Yeah, I mean, seriously, you, you've got a little yeah. baseball about you, so yeah. how far you want to – Throw it up in there, 20, you know, 25 I, rows? Yeah, but I try to get out there and take care of the people who got there first, too, you know. So, But it's fun. You know, we go out <laughs> pregame about 50 minutes prior to the game and, and feed the T-shirts the out to the yeah. to the student section and get them fired up. And, <laughs> yeah. If I could throw old toughies, maybe it would be even better, you know. But <laughs> I don't think I'd be good at doing that. You know what I would do if I were you? <laughs> I, I just, it just hit me when you started talking about this. I think next year. I mean, if you're not going to go potato gun, which, you know, there's yeah. an option there, but you, you want to throw, you want to showcase. I think next year you get red solo cups and you stick the T-shirt in the solo cup. Number one, you get better distance. And you that <laughs> night with the solo cup after yeah. the Clemson game was absolutely vintage. It's a great idea. Just saying. Yeah. You could sign that. them. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just giving you opportunities here. Red <laughs> solo cup signed by Dave Dorn, and he's you know, put a rubber band over the top of it. And let that sucker go. Yeah, that's a great idea. We'll take you up on that. All right, there you go. Five percent. That is. That's all I want. That's all I want. Or good seats. See, Packard, not just good shows. Day marketing. Just good seats. I don't like to sit in the press box. I like to be amongst the fans. (laughs) That's all I want. Unbelievable. Uh, Enjoy the. uh, We're going fishing. What are we doing? Putting it in the water here lately. Yeah, we got some trips lined up. Uh, Definitely going to be in the mountains in North Carolina fishing. Nice. Perfect. Back to Montana and getting a day of fishing in out there. Perfect. Um, looking forward to that for sure. Yeah. Perfect. It's almost as good as sitting on a rocking chair, talking ball with Packard. They're almost this is pretty as good, good, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we can do this. Uh, good to see you. Be Thanks well. Thanks for having me. You Best bet. of luck. Appreciate all your help. Thank you. Yep. Sit tight. More Packer and Durham from Amelia Island at the ACC Spring Meetings next on ACC. Yeah, we're not kidding either. You know why? Because Michael Alford, the athletic director at Florida State, makes his debut with us when we continue the final half hour of our coverage from the ACC Spring Meetings. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham back on the patio, and guess who's making his debut on the I know. show? What guest is this? Eight what? This would be 802. So there we go. 802. All Michael right. Alford is the director of athletics, vice president of Florida State. First timer to the yeah. Packer and Durham. And look at the draw he gets, huh? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, sorry, boss. Tough break Tough, up. tough, hey, tough day. Goes downhill from here now. <laughs> I'm just right. telling you, when we go to the basement and you show up on Bureau Camp, it'll be a whole new static world. So uh, it's pretty good, huh? No, it's not a bad setting. Uh, you guys have done a great job sitting here for a few days. <laughs> well, we made sure it didn't go anywhere. So we, we were on top of it. We're on top of it. I just ran, in fact, I just ran in some orange blossom Himalayan salt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wash your hands. You, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. get your hands all cleaned so up with those. I'm completely chilled and relaxed now. So we're good to go to conduct this interview. Um, How crazy has this been, right? I mean, you know, yeah. tag, you're it. You're running the show at Florida State. But, man, alive. Front row seat to... About as crazy a situation as we could ever imagine in college athletics. Well, it's definitely changing. Uh, you're looking at the landscape of college athletics, and you look at the history, and you try to forecast where the future's going, and just make sure you're doing the right things, uh, keeping the student athlete as center of all your thoughts and what's best for them. But you know, it's going to change. What we talk about today is going to change tomorrow, 
and uh, you're just constantly making sure you stay to your core values and, and make the right decisions with the information you have at that time. All right, you are now the athletic director of one of the landmark institutions in the country mm -hmm. when it comes to college football especially, but really intercollegiate athletics. Right. You've got terrific programs, I mean, all over the map right. from the academic calendar and the athletic calendar. Uh, so how, when you get in charge in December, how do you say, okay, here, here's what I'm going to do first? <laughs> how do, where do you pick to start, I guess? It's really just getting to know the staff. Uh, being there, I had the advantage of being there sure. a year ahead of time. Uh, and really get to know the staff, get to know the boosters, uh, the donors that have influence, uh, get to know people on campus, have a new president yep. that came in during that time. So really working with President McCullough and, and making sure that our mission and core values align with where he's, his vision of the university is. So it's, it's really just making sure you listen and talk, and, uh, but then also putting out your vision. Uh, I had the advantage of sitting there for a year and looking at facilities and what we were doing uh, academically and what we were doing uh, in the future with nutrition and everything we're doing, giving the resources to our student athletes and, and then putting forth your plan and vision and processes that I think is going to elevate the program moving forward. Michael, name, image, and likeness is such a huge topic. Is it? I, I, it's, a, it's the rumor. It's a rumor floating around. But, you know, the state of Florida was one of the first yeah. states to get a head start. So how did that help in some respects while the country was like, all right, I'm not sure where this is going to go. Here in the state of Florida, you kind of knew exactly where it was going to go. Well, I, I was fortunate to co-chair that with Mike Hill, um, lead one for yep. all the athletic directors. And it was funny when, Tom, funny when Tom McMillan asked me to do that about two years ago. I was like, sure. Uh, a couple of ADs came to me and they said, with your NFL experience of dealing with the NFLPA and endorsements and everything along those lines, we think you would be a good co-chair for this uh, group. I thought, okay, I'd spend about an hour a week on it. Next thing I know, three hours a night talking to congressmen, their, their representatives, and really studying every bill across the country. And I firmly believe Florida and California was way ahead of the curve on what they were thinking with their bill. Uh, but when, then when it came out that if you, your state didn't have a bill, yeah. it was wide open. And that changed because the Florida bill was really good and um, really protected the rights of not only the student athletes but the institutions and gave them the freedom but now we're even going up and i've spent a lot of time up on the hill even now looking at how do we recraft that bill uh, that is not hurting us against when we're out against our peer institutions and then you see what came out the other day with the ncaa on enforcement so it's really as we talked about it's looking at everything day by day it's going to change and making sure that we're in alignment with what's going on okay your nfl background and working with the the players association mm -hmm. and you also know kind of how the inside of the house works with cba and all this yeah. so that puts you in a very unique spot here because we're now going to start talking about the governance structure of major college athletics. Correct. We don't know what the new NCAA, even if it's called the NCAA, looks right. like. But from your chair and the experience level you have, what do you think that governance structure, what are the key premiums we've got to be concerned with there? Well, you definitely got to put in guardrails. Uh, you got to be able to, to measure fair market value. I, I'm okay. a firm believer that the market corrects itself, but by the market correcting itself, you got to know what what's the worth is. Okay. And there's corporations out there, uh, we would deal with them in the NFL all the time, where, and I, I use poor Jason Witten all the time uh, <laughs> as an example, but uh, doing a negotiation where he represented a, a food chain throughout the state of Texas, they can take that marketing agreement, and I call it putting it through the car wash, and, and you have three different companies that can do that, and they will come back to you with our, our uh, 
analysis of this is Jason Witten is worth this much money. Sure. Uh, for his endorsement according to whether that spot's local, whether that spot's a national, regional, how long the spot's running, how much is his social media following, mm -hmm. all that's measured so that you can say this is this is the fair market value of this arrangement. Mm -hmm. Now at the end of the day we're in a free market society. Right. So if I want to pay Jason Witten above and beyond that, it is what it is. But at least we know as a, as an organization this deal is worth this much in the fair market value. You know, we are in a conference for us old timers. Uh, it's always been a great <laughs> basketball league. It's yes. always had the great reputation. I think one of the things that Jim Phillips did when he jumped on board as a commissioner and says, hey, listen, basketball always be right. an important piece of the ACC success. However, football has to be good. There's got to be a commitment. And I've said this to Wes a hundred times if I said it once. When I think of ACC football, Clemson's obviously done a great yeah. job during the college football playoff era, and they've got tradition, history, and all that stuff. But schools like yours at Florida State, Miami, Virginia Tech, Correct. teams with national brands have to be good for the league. From that perspective, the priority in terms of Florida State football moving forward, no disrespect to your baseball, which has been really good, softball, which is out of sight. Lonnie does you an know, unbelievable job. Right. I mean, yeah. your basketball, Le right. Leonard's done a great job, and the transition you're going through with the women's thing. How big a deal is this in terms of Florida State prioritizing football must be back to the national elite level? Well, we have to, you know, and I talk conference growth all the time, and you look at TV ratings, even when we're down, we're the top draw one of the top draws in the conference. And uh, it has been the last couple of years, it's been traditionally that way. So for the conference to grow overall, uh, it, Florida State needs to be good. And we need to invest in football. We need to provide uh, football the resources as we do all of our sports, but really look at where we're providing Mike uh, for him to go out and be successful, whether that's nutrition, and we're doing a full dive and looking at everything we do, nutrition, academics, holistic view of student life, facilities, is a major one. We're going to break ground this December in a new, brand new football facility that's really going to benefit all of our sports because you talk about that benefiting football, but then that weight room and, that, and everything else opens up yep. better times for the other programs. Uh, so it's really going to benefit all of our sports. But we have to make that investment into football, and we have to also look at how we invest in all of our sports to keep them growing because we do compete at an elite level across all 20 sports, and we want to continue that. I um. I also find your arrival timely in this sense too. It also comes at a time because you come from so many different tentacles of either fundraising or revenue generation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know the background of most of your peers in that room. And a lot of it has to do with guys who've done financial things, they've done development things. Revenue separation in this conference has become a topic because yeah. of what the SEC Correct. and the Big Ten have got. Do you see a path for the ACC to close the gap based on your experiences and what the product line is we have here? Uh, 100%. we got a great commissioner who has a great vision. I've known Jim for 20 years and firmly believe that he, he is leading this this conference in the right way. Yeah. And look, look into what he's going to do and the discussions he's having uh, how we can shrink that gap a little bit um, and asking our opinion, asking our feedback on some of those issues and, and ideas uh, to shrinking that gap a little bit. 100% uh, behind him. I think you will see it and I think you're going to see us get more aggressive when it comes to that. Well, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, now, now, I can't promise you moving forward for your next appearance 
that it could be more relaxing <laughs> I mean, than this. Yeah, I think we should just move down here. Well, About every you? two weeks, we just the three of us just come and do a little interview I, down know, here. That may be an opportunity. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how long that would last, Mike, but uh, that we may look into that because this is a gorgeous place. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They did such a good job hosting us, and we've had some really productive meetings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sitting with the football coaches, uh, the women's basketball coaches today. Leonard's not here, but being able to sit with the uh, men's basketball coaches and, and really get their ideas of what their vision is and having direct dialogue with all of them has been very beneficial. Well, yeah. Just remember, though, if you come to Charlotte for the next show, yeah. you will have to pass the sniff test with Chester and yeah. If you bring yeah. treats, I got, I, like two, I got two labs. So you're I'll bring, in. You're, I'll bring, bring, you're I'll locked bring, and loaded. We'll see you in Charlotte. <laughs> Michael Alford's the uh, vice president, director of athletics at Florida State. More Packer and Durham from the ACC spring meetings at Amelia Island next. You betcha. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Good to have Katie George back on the ACC. Yeah, welcome back, Katie. Good to have you. Um, quick reminder, coverage is going to start in just over an hour from Pittsburgh with uh, Virginia Tech, the top seed against Syracuse, who beat Louisville yesterday 2-0, and Georgia Tech, a winner over NC State in the 7-10 game. Clemson, Notre Dame is the one you've been talking about since Monday, right? That's a four. Notre Dame's the four seed. Clemson's the five seed. And uh, winner probably will get Virginia Tech yep. if you believe in chalk. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's some, I'm telling you, the women's tournament is going to be great. Five teams in the ACC ranked in the top 25. Virginia Tech, the number one overall seed. Night session features number seven, Georgia Tech, uh, number two seed, Duke, and then number six, Virginia, number three, Florida State, 730. Wall-to-wall coverage right here on ACC Network. And uh, also the ESPN app presented by Auto Owners Insurance. That's right. The fact that Florida State is a three seed yeah. in this league tells you everything you need to know about the quality. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to Florida State, Virginia, and Wake Forest. All three have advanced to the Women's Golf National Championship out at Greyhawk in Scottsdale coming up on the 20th of May. The men's regionals are next week, and then they also will advance out to uh, – to Scottsdale for the national title. And Beatrice Wallin, individualist medalist at the uh, Tallahassee Regional. She uh, went six under in the two rounds, thanks in part to a four under 68 yesterday. In Virginia Tech's Emily Mayhar yep. in the Ann Arbor Regional qualified as the low individual. She will move on yep. to the championship as well. So uh, that kind of brings you up to speed. and. Uh, Wake Forest made uh, a change yesterday in women's basketball. Jen Hoover, after 10 seasons, uh, was fired as the head women's basketball coach. Athletics director John Curry making that announcement last night. uh, And we look forward to seeing kind of where that search goes. That would be true. Now, tomorrow, we're going to give you the best of Packer and Durham from the weekend. We've even got interviews that folks have not seen yet. Tony Bennett joined us yesterday. He was fantastic. Josh Pastner. You'll want to hear that, so you'll get that tomorrow in addition to some of the things you might have missed of our three-day coverage here in beautiful New York. We talked about the Josh Pastner interview, which we did a couple days ago. It is a fascinating – now, Pastner, if you've watched the show, you know Pastner's kind of – you know, loose with us on these visits, right? Would that be the best way to put it? Uh, I don't know if the loose is the word I would use, but uh, he is open-minded to discuss all. And he brings up something that has no chance of happening – but it does make you think about basketball scheduling, doesn't it? It does. And, and so it's, uh, it, it was a fun conversation. I thought Tony Bennett yesterday, uh, just as a tease for tomorrow, yep. 
was really great, too. And he's one of the few that kind of knows what his roster looks like, given everybody's back. He's got a great recruiting class coming in. He does. He's entered the transfer portal to add addition. So North Carolina will get a ton of love, and rightfully so, with four out of five starters back. Virginia will be another team when you get to basketball season that people will be buzzing about as well. Okay, we've had a lot of great interviews here. You'll get all that tomorrow in the best of uh, the ACC spring meetings. Give me two or three things that we're going to take from here and we're going to watch in the next 45 to 60 days before we get to Charlotte for the ACC kickoff. Uh, Scheduling uh, really was front and center. Uh, Obviously, the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness are kind of a given, I think, given the world that we're all living in. Uh, but I thought that the, the 355 concept that's really been probably kicked around more than anything else, and even everybody we've had on today talked about it. I said uh, yesterday, I, regardless of which way they go, whether right. it's two permanent or three permanent, then the rotation of everybody else, I think is an upgrade versus the current schedule. So whichever angle they go, I think that's a good move. If it's three, awesome. I know Dan Radakovich brought up a good point today, knowing that, hey, who are my three? Yeah. Right? You don't know that answer yet, at least we don't in the general public, but I do think that's coming down the pike. I do think that's going to be approved. Uh, whether they go division or no division, kind of like everybody else. I, I'm good either way. I, I do think that if you had a no division concept, you're guaranteed the two best teams to play in your conference championship game. And I think that if you're going to be in the football business, and the ACC is, yeah. uh, and eventually this college football playoff four years down the road is going to expand from four, you're going to have to have multiple teams. That's got to be the ultimate goal I think having your two best teams play for a championship, West is a good thing. I think the system is inviting this. That's the thing I look at. The expansion of the college football playoff from four to, as Packer said, either eight or 12, most likely 12, invites you to take down the division wall here because you do want your two best teams. But even behind that, you want other contending teams to have margins behind those two to also jump spots in the, into the playoff. And I think folks need to understand something, too. The current system that we have with the college football playoff, you lose one, you still got a chance to get in. You lose two, you're, you're out. We yeah. have yet to see a team make it to the college football playoff with two losses. But the reason I bring that up is when we fast forward the clock, mm-hmm. we go four years down the road, five years down the road, and this thing jumps from four to 12, you're going to see teams in the college football playoff with multiple losses. That, Maybe that is, three. Whatever. You, yeah. It's going to happen, all right, because we've not seen that happen since the college football playoffs got started uh, back in 2014. So that's why when you go, in my opinion, if you go to one division, yeah. you may have a team at 11-1, and 12-0, taking on a team that's 10-2. and two. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You still got a chance to get in even with multiple losses. So I think it will be paramount for conferences, whether it be the ACC or anybody else, to pair up your two best teams in your biggest game of the season, knowing that, hey, a loss not necessarily going to knock you out. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I, I think it's going to be uh, it's gonna be really interesting. Now, remember that D1 Council votes on this later this month. In fact, it's next week. I think a week from today is when the D1 Council will vote on that division policy that the Oversight Committee recommended uh, the other day. So we could come back here. Well, you'd come back from Italy in a couple of weeks, and we could be – well, heck, we could have this whole thing solved by the time you come back from Italy. I totally expect that to be the case. Uh, in fact, I'm back kind of hoping that by the time I get back to the States, hey, Pac, you're not going to believe what you missed. Oh, what was that? No, no, who knows? Yeah. This, this is going to take some time. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, that David Teal just pointed out, 
not that a whole lot of folks may care one way or the other, but I do think where the headquarters of the ACC ends up will be uh, a storyline for us in June, for August, maybe late May, for August's yeah, sake. Who yeah. knows? But, you know, Greensboro has been the holder of the belt, if you will. Can they keep the ACC in town? Yeah. I don't know how that's going to play out. Charlotte's in play. Orlando's in play. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, you saw a ton of interviews today. Neil Ivey, Heather Light, Graham Neff, Jim Phillips for a half hour, Dave Clawson, Dave Doran, Dan Radakovich, David Teal. Michael Alford made his debut on this program. And he uh, mentioned to us, uh, he went a little Led Zeppelin ramble on yeah, as his walk-up music, so we incorporated that yeah. in the interview, which is so, nice. So uh, tomorrow, the best of the ACC spring meetings covers the entire three hours. Monday, my celebrated return to the basement. It's been a while. Yep. It really has been just a while. In, just in time to box you up for Europe. That's exactly yeah, right. So. And also keep in mind, even though we won't be live tomorrow, ACC Rowing Championships Wait. at Clemson. Yeah. What, what's the matter? We got, we got something we got, happening we here. Got. We got a late walk on to the show. Oh, we do. All right, hold on, guys. What are we doing? Did I just hear you're saying that y'all are off tomorrow? Oh, says the guy that's been off all week. What the heck are y'all going to do? What are you going to do with your free time? I can tell you what I'm going to do. Okay. You know what I'm going to do. Where are you playing? That's exactly Where are you right. playing? <laughs> Why aren't you staying here Cartersville, is the Georgia. question. I'm and playing, playing right there. Because you know, we come off the company car in the dike. That's why. <laughs> That's, That's exactly true. why. That's a very good point. I'm off smart. the company very car. Smart. Yeah. Well, I just want to say it was a pleasure watching y'all while we were heading to the tee box every day. Yeah, you, yeah. I'm proud that somebody I was, was gonna, working hard. I was going to say that the, 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 the workload <laughs> ratio this week has been a bit awkward. A little I, skewed. Yeah, a little skewed. Just a yeah. bit. Yeah. But it was yeah. still good having yeah. you guys yeah. hanging out. Yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, just meeting these coaches. How cool was that? That's very cool. In a chill environment, Wes. It was fun. Very chill. Uh, so, I guess we have to now acknowledge Eric McClain, Jordan Cornette, E.J. This Manuel. doesn't count as Whoa, you do This doesn't account as a Packer uh, and Durham appearance. Well, Luke let me Hancock. tell you, the way my contract's written, it, it, it might. For you, <laughs> but, but, not, but not on the official uh, tally it does. Okay, okay, okay. Thanks yeah. to Aaron Katzman. Thanks to Jim Milkovich, Brian Ives, everybody here who did a phenomenal job from a production standpoint. And the Brooks Casey family, get well. Yeah. Uh, Speedy recovery. Brian, uh, Chrissy Velez, thank you guys very much. Uh, we will bring this show to you on a best of format tomorrow and then Monday, Emac, in the basement, 7 a.m. We're back. Yeah. No, we're, oh, back. we're back. Uh, oh, wait, wait. They're back. <laughs> they're back. Yes. Uh, that's right. And uh, thanks to Jim Phillips and to Amy Acola of the Atlantic Coast Conference Office for the hospitality and helping us pull this off. And, and the Ritz uh, Carlton, the penthouse suite, spectacular. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll see you Monday morning. On Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.